0: Welcome to Souls, a show dedicated to issues within the software as a service industry. Jamie, Jason, Kevin, and Pete have well over 100 years of making mistakes, and we're going to share our experiences with you. Please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Today, we're going to talk about SDRs. What's that stand for? Sales development reps? Is that you know? Is it the same in every company? Reps,
1: but, you know, they, they got all these phrases now. It's SDRs and BDRs uh, and yeah. ADRs, and everyone messes it up.
0: It's it's you know it's it's the kids doing the grunt work. Uh, so we're so we're going to talk about their journey uh, coming in off the street and working their way up onto enterprise. They still say enterprise now. Is that the big boy sales? Yeah, okay.
1: Enterprise
0: strategic accounts. You got it. Okay. Well, before we get there, uh, we got a an ad. KG. This episode's brought to you by Neuro Noodle. Hey, athletes, get a doodle of your noodle, a brain map before the season starts, so you have a baseline to compare it to in case something happens. You get a physical every year, right? Well, get a brain checkup now before the season starts. Visit neuronoodle.com. Just because Carney's not here, I'm not even gonna do the joke. Oh, come on. We love the jokes. All right. All right. Why do we go why why do couples go to the gym?
1: Uh, uh Pete, I don't know. Why do Well, we you already know the out?
0: answer, so you're doing doing a pretty you you're you're, you're a good straight, man. They want the relationship to work out. Leave us comments on our blog at sassholes.net. Okay. We need Jason's laughter. Insert Jason's <laughs> laughter here. I'm going to put that in. I tried now. to
1: add a little bit of bump, you know, to it. But, uh, you, know.
0: you know, we're working on our system. Uh, shout outs. Max Jansen's promoted to senior manager at Cision. Way to go, Max. I know that guy. Good good stock, that kid is. Good stock.
1: Sounds familiar.
0: Proud, but not surprised. Sean Keegan, promoted to RVP at Yext. Man, they're getting all, all, all our old guys, KG. Yeah. Uh, Sean was a sales guy. started out uh, banging the phones, and now he's a big old vice president. Alex Madison, one year at Salesforce. She was a, a VP that we worked with quite a bit. Hey, nobody died uh, recently because <laughs> Farrar's not here. So this is going to be a positive show.
1: Yes, yes. And I got a uh, shout uh, out here. My, uh, my no. buddy, David, uh, David Franzak, Franzi, the Franz, uh, okay. former recruiter. He just started over at a, a hot startup here in Los Angeles called Bambi. And after only one month on the job, he's now uh, leading the, the entire sales team in uh, in bookings. It's not, you know, percentage against his ramp baby quota, Pete. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. all sales. And you know what I say to that, Pete? Meets expectations. Meets expectations. <laughs> Show me something impressive. What have you done for me lately? Exactly. Doesn't it make you proud when like people work for you, Pete, and they go on to bigger and better things? Like looking at Sean like that. It's like he's banging the phones and you taught him how to do it. And now he's in a big old VP. How cool is that, Pete?
0: Well, why did it take him so effing long? <laughs> who else you got kg
1: no i think that's it Phronsie, that, that, uh, you know no, again jason no death so we're, uh, I think uh, think we're, we're well right.
0: I, I guess maybe there is one uh governor cuomo new york uh kind of bit it uh you can't yeah. be playing grab ass literally <laughs> gonna catch up to you can't
1: uh, it, so people are still doing that stuff man
0: My, moment of silence moment of silence thank you all right, KG, how to recruit, train, and promote SDRs, the journey from street to enterprise, marketing versus sales responsibility. Since marketing's not on this show, okay, we can talk all the crap that we want. You never want anything to report to marketing. <laughs> Nothing, zero.
1: Yeah, surprisingly, did you, did, though, SDRs, like the stats suggested, like 30% report to marketing.
0: Did you ever have that situation in your... In your day, I, I had it a couple times.
1: I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't allow it. <laughs> I wouldn't okay. allow it. <laughs> All right. You know.
0: Uh, I know it we're talking about <laughs> We're talking about SDRs, but uh, like, what about the inbound line? You know, the I don't know what you called it, a your old place, but it's like you got the website phone number. Somebody calls in. Somebody's got to pick up and sell something.
1: Uh, yeah. Who, would, who should SDR.
0: that? Re- those are SDRs, okay.
1: Yeah, In, inbound seen- SDRs. You know, the last company that I was at, Pete, we had the SDR team, both inbound and outbound, was reporting to marketing, and the intention was pure. The intention was honorable. You know, it, it's a it's a marketing, a lead generation engine. But when I came on as the chief sales officer. The very first thing I did was extract <laughs> that from, from marketing uh, to create a, a lot more um, fluidity and control because there was it, you know, you and I have dealt with this in the past where you know leads get thrown over the transom and then it, it, and then you're like, well, wait, what what the hell are you doing over there? And so that span of control, uh, which sounds totally egotistical, but it was practical to have that, uh, that, that connection, right, Pete, between the lead generation engine, these people that are doing top of the funnel sales are yeah. doing top of the funnel sales.
0: It's such a pain because you, you have to get into, uh, I've seen situations where when you have a startup, everybody's on the same pay plan. And I have seen people that worked at inbound line to be fistfights to get those phone calls coming in and, uh, you know, to make that money and everybody got paid the same, you had an unequal level of opportunity. Uh, you can you can run into issues with that. So yep. you you always wanna you always wanna pay somebody to the degree of influence they have over what happens. If the phone rang, you picked it up, did you make it ring or did the website ring? If it's the website that did it, then the website should get paid more than the person that closed it, right? KG?
1: No, Pete. No question about it. In fact, one of the things that I learned early on in, gosh, uh, two thousand two, two thousand two, Pete, was yeah. that the while the inbound leads had higher intention, we actually measured that even further down. And I'm talking about two thousand two, and and these things rang true right. in recent years as well. We found that. Churn was higher with those inbound leads, surprisingly enough, and we also found the collections were uh, were higher with those inbound uh, inbound leads. And so, um, and that was just a you know the point. Of course, is you know those inbound leads aren't necessarily all that they're cracked up to to be. At ZipRecruiter, when we had inbound chats and inbound calls, the commission rates were literally half. Literally half of what a, an outbound AE got paid because the intention was a lot higher and it was easier to convert those. It was easier to convert those. Uh, and, and another, you know, there were smaller deals inbound too, by the way. So, so, yes, you're, you know, paid for what you're worth. It's not the same old, same old. It's, a, it's, it's not yeah. a level playing field, Pete. But everyone would clamor for it because they knew that the, the deal side, uh, that the conversion rates were higher. And, and so we were able
0: to pay less. Well, I can see marketing's point because, you know, if somebody's not asking, hey, how'd you hear about us? 2002, did you have Salesforce back then or did you have any type of system? Okay. Yeah,
1: we had so Salesforce remember in, in 99 1999,
0: 1999, I remember they were giving away five licenses so you could use it for free. When you got past that, you had to pay. So we always kept it to five and I never had it on the, I should have had it on those inbounds. Uh, I wasn't smart enough. Um, so, so hiring them, like yeah. what what would be your process? Because there's two schools of thought. Justin yeah. Rothmarsh, the guy we keep talking about, the machine, he thinks that the first conversation should be with somebody with a higher level of experience. Some companies put the newbies out there on the phones that make that first connection, do you have an opinion on that, KG? Well,
1: of course. Um, well, first of all, I, I just, I love that SDR role as a as a, a breeding ground for the future salespeople. And of course, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, next. And I, if you're talking about, and I want to make sure what you're asking here, are you asking, yeah. you know, should SDRs, be the people initially talking to the you know these potential targets um, yep. and the answer the answer is yes the answer is okay. yes. you know it's not um, i always like to think about the phrase what's your highest and best use and that's of course you know you, there's books and books and books about sdrs and that the whole reason why it exists is because You know, smiling and dialing and making those making those initial dials and having those initial conversations to set the initial you know meeting that may be about light discovery or full discovery. You know, that's not that doing all that work right there and all the emails and the hand dials or you know click the dials. That's not the highest and best use for a two hundred fifty thousand to three hundred thousand dollar a year salesperson. Now, you know anybody who says you know, well, you know, you need to have a higher level person having those initial conversations has no trust in their ability to train their SDRs in a, with a, oh, I'm going to say the bad word, Pete, script. Script. No, sorry, Pete. It's these days, you know, you say, you say, it's a playbook. Oh, playbook. That's That's what you call it? Okay. Yeah. The scripts are bad words. You can't say scripts anymore, Pete. You got to say, it's a playbook. What play are you running? Wow. It sounds fun. Let's go play. So Pete, yeah. So anybody who says that, that, that person has to have the initial conversation is a higher level, more sophisticated enterprise uh, salesperson clearly doesn't have a training process, a coaching process, a call recording process to have the SDRs model the right behavior in the first two to three minutes of a of a conversation and if you're not willing to put in that time well then go ahead and spend your three hundred thousand dollars a year on smilers and dialers
0: so, so I how did you find strongly
1: about that could you tell oh, I felt strongly about that.
0: I, I, I I sense the passion and I'm wiping the spittle off my face <laughs> in the screen. Now we had the luxury of working for the company that had classified advertising but how how would you find people? How did you do your interviews? How did you like, who'd you bring on board? What'd you look for? What were the common denominators?
1: Oh, yeah. So th- this is one of the reasons why I felt like, you know, hiring, this was a secret power that, um, that I felt like I, we had. Um, a lot of companies out there say things like, I want to hire sales athletes in the SDR role. And I think that that is um, incredibly myopic. And I, uh, oh, sorry, that's a big word. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> that's, I'll that's look it up. That's too uh, that's too narrowly focused because you miss out on a lot of people here. And so what we what I have always focused on with these types of roles, not only at ZipRecruiter but at other companies, was pure drive, pure drive. And uh, and there's a wonderful book out there. Pete, that's called, Net, here it goes, never hire a bad salesperson again. The author is Dr. Chris Kroner, and he's located in Chicago. He's a great guy. and Let's get him uh, on the show. Yeah. I, he was on one of my other shows years and years and years ago. I'm sure he'd love to be on this show. Yeah. He, uh, and his book uh, opened up my eyes to the fact that you can find driven people anywhere, restaurants and gyms like anywhere you look, you don't necessarily need to be looking for division one athletes um, to be to be your SDRs. And what he did uh, Pete was broke down drive into three characteristics need for achievement, competitiveness and optimism need for achievement, competitiveness, and optimism. We could do a whole show on this one, by the way, uh, but I'll I'll briefly go through this. Need for achievement is like that that drive to continue to work. These people get out of bed and you don't have to kick them out of bed. These people make the dials and you don't have to incentivize them to make the dials. These people are working late, uh, probably even when they shouldn't be working late. You know, they're wired to work and and sacrifice things in their personal life uh, in favor of work success competitiveness, this is amazing, Pete, and I'm sure you've seen this through your thousands and thousands of people that you've hired. People that played sports may not necessarily be competitive, but people make mistakes of saying, oh, they played sports in college or high school, therefore they must be competitive. It's not the same thing. And in fact, if you say that, you're going to miss out on a whole host of people that never played competitive sports in high school, um, especially women. Um, who are by the way, far better listeners than men. Uh, and which go is, figure Yeah, go figure. And so you know looking for somebody who's wired to win. Um, I hate the, I hate the interview question which do you like more? Uh, do, you, do you hate to lose or love to win and you're you know you're looking for the right end? I hate that question. But, but in reality, we want somebody who views their world around them as a competition. you know, driving down the street, working out in the gym, doing yoga poses. There's a whole lot of people out there that are competitive that have never played sports, and so you want to look for somebody who's always competitive. And then, optimism. And this one's easy to understand. This is somebody who has thick skin. Thick skin. They're not going to get flustered when somebody hangs up on them, which they're going to get hung up on a lot. And in, you know, today's you know, uh, when you're making dials, you may get five percent of the people on the phone that you dial, and if you can't make your 70 80 90 100 dials a day with the hope that you're going to get five people on the phone and and then the next day you're like no I didn't get anybody on the phone like yeah this isn't the job for you you have to have that optimism and go I know that that next dial I make is going to turn into something and uh, and have that hope so that that's what I'm that's what I'm primarily looking for because you know what Pete you know what I know what these people have very little experience in anything in anything, but you can talk to them about their life experiences and how they've operated when it comes to how they work, how they view competition, and how they view rejection, and and that's that that's when you don't have to have the experience that our enterprise salespeople should have.
0: Did you have your leaders go in a resume database and find these objective points, or did the, a recruiter find these people and submit it to you? Like, what was the process?
1: Yeah, so we had a a very extensive but very quick process. When I describe this, people go, "Oh my God, there's so many steps. How do you hire people? You know, with so many steps?" We would have recruiters um, take the applications. We would we would never uh, look for people like this. It was you know the applications regardless of the economy. The applications for SDR roles just keep coming in, you know, all, all the time. So we had plenty of applications uh, in all the companies that I've been at. Um, we'd have the uh, have the recruiter um, review the resume first, look for, you know, some of the basics in, in essence that, uh, and oh, here's a fun fact for you, by the way, after hiring thousands of people at ZipRecruiter, our data and analytics team led by Maggie Lee, who's absolutely awesome, uh, we found... Zero correlation between college education and quota attainment at ZipRecruiter. How about that? Put that one to bed forever. I felt so good about that one finally. So. Um, but, uh, so just looking at the resume and making sure that, you know, this is somebody who can clearly articulate what they're doing and not loaded full of typos. Then there was a recruiter phone screen and that phone screen lasted 15 to 30 minutes. And that was really about making sure that these people are going to make that call, get their questions answered and some basics about their, about their background. And then it was a 30 minute sales manager, uh, interview and this was what we called the objective check. And we would go down the, the list and just, it was, you know, have you done this type of thing? Have you done that type of thing? Um, and that's not the meat and potatoes of it, but it's really just sort of a check. And then, a, you know, hey, can they articulate? Can they communicate? We were looking for good communication over the phone. And then the next one was a three-hour interview for SDRs three-hour face-to-face interview where we would have them go through, um, say, you know, three, like 45-minute uh, interviews with sales managers plus some breaks, you know, in between. And that's when we would get really, really deep on the behavioral interview questions associated with drive and the, the three characteristics. But Pete, we also had other characteristics that we were then evaluating on a uh, behavioral interview basis organizational skills, critical for SDRs, Um, continual learning, critical for SDRs. They have to always be, you know, be learning and then coachability. Hey, Pete, tell me about the last time you got off a call that you didn't think went very well and your manager gave you feedback. How did you take that conversation? Then what did you do next? you know, coachability, of course, being critical in, a, in, a, in an SDR role. And there was probably three or four other characteristics against which we were, you know, interviewing in the ben- benchmark there. Um, but again, we're talking about review of a resume, recruiter phone screen, sales manager phone screen, three one-hour interviews with the sales managers. Um, and then we would do the background checks and the screens and all that type of stuff. By the way, you know, we also, what we didn't do this is going to huh. make your, your our listeners pissed. We did not have that obligatory. Okay, now come do a presentation for us at the last at the last uh, the last stage. I and mean, we didn't do that, Pete, because when we did, we learned that there was like no correlation. There was. Some people did it well and shit the bed uh, in, in the role. Some people didn't do well and they did amazing in the role. There, there, there was really no correlation between that particular step and sales success in the role. And we were, we were like, let's get rid of it. So because it had no there was no decision making that went along along with it. And 80 to 90 percent of the people made it through anyway. So it was like a wasted step. So we removed uh, removed that and all that we can get done in a week and a half. So the interview process was still really fast, Pete, but but thorough nonetheless, even for an SDR role.
0: I'm trying to remember. I, I think we sent out the script beforehand, and when it got to the to the leaders, we they they would role play, and you could see how they could follow. When I say script bullet points, if they can ad lib, can can they stay in control of the conversation? Depending on what uh, business mode your company's in. If growth or, you know, just trying to stay alive, you're in growth mode. You got new leaders hiring new SDRs, your span of control lowers there for a while, and you're just trying to hold on to things. I think one of the greatest things that I saw was you would hire these people. And when you say no correlation, you pay all these consultants to come in and you can do the, um, Oh my goodness, the wonder lick and all, all that crap. And then when once they're faced with reality and hitting the phones, it's either they do it or they don't do it. After the training started, we we would have a dial contest. I'd have a dollar bill and I'd sign it. And I'd said, whoever you know wins this contest gets this dollar bill. And every person that's won this dollar bill has gone on to great things. And you would have this contest and you'd see who would perform and... You know, the top 20% of the people that performed on that day, they executed, and you know, they're going to be around because the new leaders that are interviewing these people coming in, sometimes the people interviewing have more experience than the leaders and they, you know, get through the system. So it's, yeah. you know, once they actual, actually perform, look, there's a million ways to skin the cat. At the end of the day, it's either they sold something or they didn't sell something. And is your comp plan promoting the right behaviors. How long was your training?
1: Yeah, that was a uh, in my career. That's been a that's been a a fluid target at ZipRecruiter, though, because we just had so many data points and had a very amazing data and analytics team. We um, we ultimately ended up with a an eight, it was a total of eight weeks, but that's um, oversimplifying. I was impressed. By the people at CDW. Let me start by saying that. They they I was impressed that they had a um, they called it a nesting program because what they learned was that their salespeople that I think are mostly commission only, uh, or at least they become commission only, they become profitable after nine months. And what they found was that they were terminating their salespeople at around seven or eight months. And so before they could have even be profitable, these salespeople were being, you know, terminated. And so they created this nesting program. Now, initially, I thought, well, that's that sounds, you know, all great. But for God's sakes, I'm like super cheap and I'm not going to hold on to a salesperson for nine months if they're not, you know, chopping wood for me. And so um, so we created a program first two weeks of the of the eight week training program quote unquote was was that, that in classroom in classroom training but then the last six weeks was what we called the dev bay it wasn't a nesting program it was the development bay and i, I my hats off to jason blaze uh and peter sharipa over there for innovating that and doing an amazing job they um because i said I don't want this next six weeks to just be romper room, and it's easy for people to get through. In fact, what I'd like is a graduation, which also means non-graduation. Non-gradu- and so we created criteria um, that you know you had to hit a certain level to graduate, and if you didn't, you were terminated. And, and that actually suited me very, very well, because that dev bay was selling, but you were selling in a very very tight environment with a manager that was like we we took our best manager and who worked best with new hires and put him or her over these over these salespeople and their responsibility was daily twice daily training coaching constant use of the um of uh, gong in like listening to the listening to the calls and providing just amazing amounts of coaching, and they had very specific criteria, almost like MBOs. There was a li- there was some revenue that they needed to be generating, but they had to generate a certain amount of trials, have a certain amount of meetings that they had you know set for themselves because they were closing. And there were people that didn't graduate, and mm-hmm. uh, and and that suited me just fine because if I took somebody who was not doing well during the training process, again, training, quote unquote, um, and then put them out on the floor. It'd be like another three months before I'd be able to get rid of the those people. And so we created a scenario where they got practical training for six weeks with a coach right on their six that was helping them get way better. But just like you said, if they couldn't, if they couldn't cut, you know, make the grade, literally, if they couldn't make the grade, I got to get rid of them before before eight weeks was uh, was up. And and I and I, you know, again, hats off to Peter Shrippa and, and Jason Blaze for innovating on a, a, a little nesting bay idea that I had that um, that we uh, that we, we we pulled off very very well at uh, at Zip.
0: You're going to make a bad hire. How long did HR give you? How long do you have to keep them on before you could get rid of them? Eight weeks.
1: So the initial during the initial training, it was a, it, You know, if they graduated, they you know they yeah. were able to you know keep going on. Um, this was also a relative. Depending on the role, it was a relatively fluid topic. Um, but what we did, and this this uh, created a little bit of controversy. Uh, because a lot of people hadn't seen this before, Pete, we literally put the termination criteria into the commission plan that they would sign, and it would. And I'm making stuff up because it, yeah, was, yeah. it was varied across teams, but we would say things like this, Pete: if you were um, if you were below minimum thresholds. Now there was this is important to distinguish, Pete. We had quota attainment, 100% to quota attainment, but we also established minimum thresholds below quota attainment that represented break even points for us. That salesperson doesn't make us or lose us money. And then we had promotion thresholds that were above the 100% uh, goal, but the termination component, I think we did very, very well, very, very objectively. And what we would do is we would say, as an example, again, I'm making shit up, if you were below minimum, two months in a row, or three months in a six-month period, so non-consecutive, you know, months or whatever,
0: right, right, right.
1: Um, you would then be placed on a PIP. Everybody knows what a PIP is—a performance.
0: What PIP. is it? What, what is a PIP?
1: Performance Improvement Program, Pete. I'm. We'll have to teach you something new here. No, I'm kidding. Um, you you, you created pips. Like it was on stone. When you did it, it was on stone. You know, you come down and here's your plan anyway. And then, uh, but what we would do, and this is going to blow you away. I don't think I've ever told you this before, Pete, some people, some sales leaders, Pete, put their salespeople on 30 day pips, some 60, some 90. Take a guess at how long our pips last huh. nine months, nine months. And if you fell below minimum one time, Within that nine-month period, you'd be terminated once you play, got placed on a spot. And you know why I did that, Pete? I did that because you and I have both seen those salespeople that get placed on the 30-day PIP or the 90-day PIP, and they bust their asses for 30 or 60 days or 90 days, and then they get off the PIP. And then they go back to doing the old stuff they did, and they go back on it. So now we have these roller coasters: on pip, off pip, on pip, off pip. And so I said, "I'm not doing this anymore. I'm too old. and I'm too tired." <laughs> so look, we're going to do a, a nine month pip. And um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, of course, got caught up, up into that. And it um, it was very pragmatic. And the the ZipRecruiter legal team and HR team were like, "This is fair. It's objective." and it was evaluated on a regular basis. Um, and we would celebrate people, we would celebrate people that went through a nine month pip and made it off. You better believe they never went, those that made it through and, and didn't get terminated, they never got put on a pip ever again because they, they really truly learned, their, learned the lesson. But, but that's, that's that. we were only, I know, I mean, you tell me, at your company, what was it, what was it like to get rid of people?
0: It depends who the uh, head of HR was, you know, it's, that's the, when they would come through to interview, I would make sure I would bring, I, that's a question I would ask before. Cause you remember I would, the company was a lot smaller, so I had a lot more input. Um, that's the question I would ask is what's your policy on if it, if you make a bad hire, how long are you going to give them? You know, if they just flat out, don't do anything, how long are you going to keep them on? The best case scenario was two weeks. Uh, the worst case scenario was 90 days, you know, for me, because kind of the world that we're in, because people got to understand our sales cycles were a lot shorter than I'm sure a lot of the SaaS companies that are out there. Right. Cause I, I, classified advertising, it's, you p- pick up the phone, somebody needs to hire somebody. Okay. Give me the job. I need it now. Why isn't it up yet? But the, the kids that we're bringing on in these roles, it's their first job usually out of school, and it's their first taste of a structured environment. And we have to do a lot of the dirty work that their parents didn't do. Did you find that the case?
1: <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't going to play that role, man. I I, I was gonna <laughs> the coach. I was going to play the coach, but but I, I was not going to like. You know, try and unwind behaviors they they had. Look, if you're going to make excuses, that's on you. And your your folks have, you know, you know, raised you to, you know, do that kind of shit. Um, you know, and that's and that's why I felt like, you know, for SDRs and new salespeople, it was we just made it really clear. This is objective. You can tell us what your excuses are, but it it is what it is. And that's That was the best part, you know, Pete, we worked in collaboration with HR and our legal team to create this language. So new HR people would come on board. We weren't asking what their, you know, opinion was, (laughs) or their policy was, you know, it was like, this is the commission plan that these salespeople are on. That's why we wrote it into the commission plan, because it'd be hard to you know, hard yeah. to undermine. We'd have to write up a whole new comp plan, and no one wants to write up whole new comp plans. So,
0: yeah. oh no. Well, the uh, ZS Associates uh, would <laughs> like you to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, the, so they go through the uh, the initial training. Yeah. What is the process to get them to the next level, uh, the high performer? I, I'm assuming you start them with smaller opportunities, and you, they work their way up to larger opportunities. There's got to be some point where they get a taste of the larger opportunities to go to the next
1: level. Uh, how did you do that? Yeah, so the S, so for the SDR teams, we um, we actually created uh, created uh, tiers, you know, so like segments that the that the um, SDRs were married in, you know, married into, and so you could get promoted. So it was like really clear segments that they could move, you know, move up to it. And it was, of course, you know, there, uh, if you can envision two triangles that are overlapping, but inverted, you know, you've got a lot of SDRs at the, at the bottom working with a, a very broad, uh, you know, a broad focus, uh, a broad, uh, set of leads, and if they over overachieved in the meetings that they were that they were uh, tasked to hit, they then could move up and they'll get higher compensation. But they're working with less 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 accounts that are bigger accounts. You know, less accounts that are bigger accounts. You know, and that triangle goes goes up. And so there's this you know at the top of the pyramid there's this tiny triangle where you've got. Um, SDRs calling on less accounts because they're bigger bigger accounts but that other overlapping triangle they had bigger quotas bigger you know bigger compensation bigger titles you know that that type of thing and so um, but we 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 really I felt like at ZipRecruiter we did a good job in creating very objective career paths and I and I met as a sidebar there's all these these companies out there that train SDRs as a sort of like a boot camp, you know. And there was yeah. one in North Carolina, and I cannot remember, remember the name. Really nice guy that I met with in North Carolina. I can get you for the show notes. Um, yeah. And he said like 33 percent of the reason why SDRs join companies is uh, to do the SDR job that they know is going to be a shit job, <laughs> is career path, is career path, and and I think that. Our, our listeners, if they're gonna take anything out of this, if you're building an SDR team or have span of control over an SDR team, um, take a, do a little extra effort in really defining three tiers. And you just say SDR one, SDR two, SDR three, BDR one, two, three, whatever, whatever you wanna call your you know, lead gen team, um, create objective tiering so that they can then control over the next you know, nine to 12 months, how they get promoted and then how they ultimately get into a quota carrying a you know AE role um, and put it in writing, Yes, it's a startup, yes, we're all doing a bunch of stuff. But do you want to be hiring SDRs forever? Then you'd better, if no, then you'd better put together a career path because they're gonna get four months in. And you know us old guys, Pete say things like, yeah, now they want to be CEO. They don't want to be CEO, but they want to know that they're progressing. You know, they want to know Mm -hmm. that they're not just, you know, getting hammered on the phone all day long for nothing. What's their promotion path. And when you can lay it out to them in writing SDR one, do these things objectively and boom, you'll move into this role. And then objectively move into level three, objectively, you do these things you'll move into an AE role when they can see that and see the, see the path that they can be on. They're going to choose your company over others. And they're going to stay at your company over taking, you know, literally five bucks an hour more, literally five bucks an hour more to go to another company. uh, If you can spend a little extra effort, work with your HR team and your leadership team to build out that uh, that career path, because it's literally like 33 to 50% of the reasons why they want to be in those roles in the first place. They, they, they didn't wake up in the morning and go, man, I want to get hammered on the phone all day long. Oh, that, of course not. They, they want to go start making the big bucks like, you know, inside salespeople and eventually enterprise salespeople.
0: You know, that, that's one strategy. There's companies out there that will say, you know what, I'm going to pay more to training and recruiting and I'm going to churn and burn these people and the good ones will... Move up regardless, you know. Totally. To and then, and, yes. and then you wind up uh, training half of the sales teams out there. <laughs> but I, there's two ways to go about it. It depends who's who's leading at the top, right?
1: Well, yeah, that's that's right. I considered. In fact, I was in a board meeting three companies ago, and uh, and the board actually made that suggestion. To, one of the board members suggested to me that with this STR team that I was owning at USAMP United Sample why don't you just go hire like 20 people and hope five make it? And, and I, and I said to them, like, look, we could do that, but that's a really expensive proposition, you know, to do that. Why don't we spend the time to hire these people properly and train these people properly? It's far more profitable. Um, But yes, you're, you're correct. So there you go. You know, it's like churn and burn. And yes, then you're training the rest of the sales teams in your ecosystem. Uh, and that's, uh, I, I agree, Pete, that's expensive.
0: Now, now with the kids today, I mean, nobody's going to stay 20 years in one place. You're, you're, you're worth more at the next company. So, you know, get, give me a reason to stay or give me a reason to leave, you know, and, then, yeah, and they're, right. they're, they're, they're gone.
1: There's so recent, you have uh, there's a recent publication that came out through the Bridge Group on the East Coast on SDRs. They they are specialists in uh, SDR training and playbook development and, and that type of thing. And they they uh, the average period of time from AE sorry SDR promoting uh, starting to promoting into an AE role is something like 14 months across SaaS companies you know out there. and, and that's a nice little barometer. Like when you look at that and you go, yeah. okay, great. If I could take that 14 months and break that into three promotions, you know, for my for my SDRs, you know, they start and they get promoted once to BDR2, two, two you know, second promotion to BDR3 and third promotion into the into the AE role in 14 months, that's a you're dealing with a happy camper. You're dealing with a you know, a happy SDR that is that is like, I'm moving up and they're telling their parents and their LinkedIn thing is, you know, notifying that they got another promotion. You know, they feel really good about that as opposed to, well, you got to be in the role for two years and then, you know, maybe we'll discuss it. No, no one's going to do that. I'm sorry, Pete. <laughs> Wake up.
0: <laughs> and, and a third strategy is screw it all together. I'm going to farm it out. I don't know the companies in North Carolina, but The Philippines, Singapore, you know, just, you know, let let them do the SDR stuff. Uh, I've never seen that work, but have you seen, uh, you know who likes that? The the private equity groups, they like that. It looks good on a piece of paper to put a plan together, but when you actually hear them and you lose control of the brand and then the performance that comes in. If I'm going to hear, if I'm going to get bad performance, I like to see it in front of my face, you know, versus Uh, (laughs) putting it out there. But that's my two cents. What, what what have you heard or seen?
1: You know, that's so funny. Uh, I, I'm so conflicted on this topic, Pete, because honestly, I've done it about three, four times myself and the COO at ZipRecruiter. And I worked very closely on that and he had a very similar experience. And so we both said, yeah, we're not, we're never going to outsource this. That said, I've, I've seen a number of companies that, but in usually the bigger companies, you know, like an HP or an SAP or something like that, and they they do outsourcing to companies like Televerde and things like that in Arizona, and they seem to like it, you know. And I see Google outsources to uh, to a company in Arizona, I can't the Teletech. They they do some outsourced sales, you know, to those teams as well, and somehow they make it work, and I I just don't know how they do it. Um. And now maybe that's I'm in not. a.
0: That, but that's still in the States, you, you know, you're doing it 13 hours away.
1: Oh yeah. Well, exactly. Philippines, India, Romania. No yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no clue. Okay. I, no ju- clue.
0: I was just wondering it's, uh oh. Okay. Those are some pretty good strategies. Uh, should we uh, leave the audience always wanting more KG?
1: <laughs> always. <laughs>
0: no, I mean, that was, that's pretty good. We, I think we've got them, um, uh, to the handoff point to enterprise. And then uh, we got Ferrara and Carney back. We can talk about, you know, the fancier sales. I don't like talking about fancier sales because you know what fancier sales or enterprises. It's the same process, just repeated multiple times at different profit centers. You know, that's just how I look yeah. at it, but yeah, but that, that's just me. Uh, hey, KG, man, thanks for uh, doing this. Uh Nice. How did you get to be taller on the lo- the new logo? I don't know. I, I guess you get what you know pay either. for.
1: I know, and I've actually there's way more hair on that logo <laughs> than there
0: really is. Come on again. I, I yeah. don't know. They I think they looked at the pillow guy and they made me. That's that's a feedback <laughs> that I've gotten. All right. We'll we'll let it out in post. Hey, thanks for listening to the Sassholes on behalf of my fine co-host K G the OG Kevin Gaither. Thank you for listening and ask you to please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. smash the like button on Facebook, Instagram and follow us on Twitter. And if you really, really, really like us, buy us a cheap beer on Patreon (laughs) slash sassholes. Cue the music.